right. I'm walking this morning, and it's a brisk, cool 40 degrees, and it's looking like it might rain on me. So let's see how this goes. Today I wanted to talk about Second Arrows. It's a Buddhist teaching. He calls it something else. I don't remember the term for it, but it's called Second Arrows in my world. There's a lot of suffering around Second Arrows. Maybe all the suffering is around Second Arrows. So the definition of Second Arrows to me is when something happens, let's say someone is, in my view of the world, um, angry with me or uh, yells at me or, well, let's take an example from my past. So talked about this in my last podcast, but my brother and I were very close together in age. We were often the only friends we had. We moved a lot. That meant that we were also bumping into each other a lot as well as brothers do. And we got in a fight one day and it was something that was very traumatizing to me and it affected kind of my whole life after that. Well, not kind of, it did. And it's a classic example of second arrows. Now, I was a kid. I was a little, like 12 or 13 then. I think I was 12. And that made the situation maybe a bit different because I was not taught how to deal with these things at all. But it's just a good example. I was beaten by my brother pretty heavily, bloodied quite heavily, cut up, bruised. Um, that on its own is the first arrow. The first arrow is the thing that happens. And that thing that happens is often not, it can often be out of our own control. Car accident, tornadoes, whatever. Those things can be out of our control. And the second arrows are how we ruminate or ponder or just to use the word we use, we suffer afterwards by going over that terrain over and over and over again. So that particular incident, I know I mentioned this, um, that particular incident went on in my head for 40 something years. And it was very traumatic for me. It affected my relationship with him and I think with other people in a lot of ways it made me feel pretty guarded in a lot of ways had I been able to learn how to deal with the second arrows that probably wouldn't have been a thing um, you might think that second arrows are controllable and I'm not entirely sure that in situations like accidents or even uh, combat trauma or those kinds of things that we are in control of how our mind deciphers something like that and then takes it on. It's clear to me that our minds quite literally have a mind of their own and there may be many minds going on at the same time. Certainly there's a conscious and subconscious, so there's at least two. And I'm not a neuroscientist and I don't dip into that much because I think that that's getting involved in story and it distracts me from doing the work, gets me into 
my scientific men- mindset, which is logical, and the brain, in a lot of ways, feels illogical to me. And in this incident, I carried that pain and suffering for a very long time, like I said, upwards of 40 years. And while it, in its, in the moment, it was traumatic, it was the way that I carried it that became the issue, the way that I let it ramble in my brain, the length of time that it carried in my mind as a, as a stressful, traumatic situation is entirely in me. I don't know how my brother felt about that. We never actually went back and talked about it. I remember he did apologize for it at some point, but in the state that I was in, in the mindset of my world, I just kind of fluffed that off and I didn't discuss it with him. We didn't like, you know, peel that apart about all the ways that was for us. So the second arrows behind that were all the times I thought about it. And it probably raised my blood pressure and my heart rate. I felt afraid, I felt sad, I felt angry for years and years and years. Had I been taught how to deal with second arrows, quite likely would have been just a thing that happened, like many things that happened that I don't really remember and the energy would have been taken out of it by dealing with it on the spot, or at least within a certain close time period. But we don't do that. Things happen to us, and I can only speak for me as a man. We are taught to, as I was taught as a kid, rub dirt on it and move on. Don't cry about it, uh, eat it. That is part of the problem with second arrows is once you make a choice not to deal with something, you're going to be dealing with it for a long time. You will be dealing with it until you deal with it. It's kind of, it feels sad right this moment to, to talk about not just this incident, but how many ways um, I have done this to myself before I started to learn how to deal with second arrows. And really, second arrows are, are noticing them first. I have to notice that I'm going over the same terrain over and over. Um, I'm suffering in some way over and over. So I have to remember to slow that process down and wait for the feelings to come up and notice that pattern. How do I do that? So in my life right now, going through a divorce, and I often find myself going over the same ground. I I feel like I'm in a chess match. I need to play certain things at certain places and time, and I hate it. I hate the, the way this works. I just want it to be worked out and done with. I'm working with someone who wants to well, I don't know what she wants. That's not fair to say what she wants or doesn't want. She says that she wants this to be done as soon as possible, but there have been multiple month-long, three-month-long, five-month-long delays while she does what she needs to do, and I wait. And during those times, my world is filled with second arrows 
What could I have done different? How could I do this chess match different? What am I going to do next? Got to type this thing into this form because I thought about it in the middle of the night. So those are all second arrows. Those are all going back over terrain in my mind that is caused by something. It's not, um, while divorce is a long-term thing, like it's not one thing. It's a series of events. It's, in my mind, all kind of gets clumped together as this um, thing that happened in my life that I'm having to deal with in a way that brings up these second arrows. I've heard people say, you know, money is the root of all evil. But really, our mind is is the root of all suffering because the only suffering I suffer is what's going on in my mind over something. So in this case, whether it be the beating from my brother or uh, my divorce or maybe uh, I got laid off in the early 2000s a couple times and those two things isn't something I ruminate over because it didn't affect my self-esteem or my my core in the ways that these two other things do. And so I don't spend time ruminating on those things like losing my jobs or even my mom passed three years ago and I don't go back over that terrain. We had a really dysfunctional relationship. Um, I've done the work around that. I've done therapy and EMDR around my mom and my relationship and how that creates responses in my world, triggers in my world, and how to um, work with those. I just don't feel like that's terrain I need to go over all the time. But when we do that, when we go over the same terrain all the time, over ruminating and wishing and wondering and hoping and strategizing, that's suffering. That is a suffering that's so incredibly common. It keeps us away from the, the now. It keeps us away from enjoying the moments we're in or even being close to the people we want to be close to because in our minds we're going over old terrain. So maybe so maybe there's a time in the future I might date. Um, seems pretty far away from me right now. But let's just imagine that's a possibility. And let's say I'm going to date someone and I spend all my time, instead of learning and being with this new person, I'm going over all this old terrain, all these old thoughts about what might happen or what did happen in my life before and how not to do that again and how not to screw it up and does this person like me or not and did I say a thing that's annoying or I mean, it's all it's all second arrows. The first arrow is parts of my life become that first arrow, but how I go back over that terrain is the second arrow and third arrow and hundreds of thousands of arrows. So the goal isn't to not think about something. I said, like I've said before, the goal the goal of not thinking about things is impossible. We are going to think about things. We might be able to pause it for a moment or two, but as soon as we get back to doing something that's even remotely 
part of our world outside of the attempt to still our minds. Our mind just gets going again. And so much of it is subconscious um, in the back of our brain, quite literally not in the front, where old habits, old damage, old where old parts of our memories run around and create, well, havoc, actually. Chaos and havoc in our minds. So how do we deal with second arrows? I think the first thing I do is notice that I'm doing that to myself in whatever way I'm doing it. Maybe I'm walking on my walk and I'm like going over this divorce chess match over and over and over and over. I need to stop. Often I'll just stop walking, take a deep breath, notice the birds or the sky or the, the crispness of the air that I'm breathing and try to refocus my thoughts and my life around what I'm actually doing, which is walking at a spirited pace so I can get my heart rate up so I can take care of my body. No sooner than I do that, some other monkey thing comes into my head and it starts shooting arrows around and it becomes a thing. And I know that there are many methods to doing this. For me, the method is the pause. It's the stopping and noticing and feeling the stress or the anxiety, whatever physical feeling I'm feeling, whatever that could be, whether that's tightness in my chest, which is pretty much where I feel my body experiencing stress, or it may be, if it's at an extreme level, I'll feel it in my legs and my hands, and it'll be something I'm wanting to escape. I may find myself doing things that I'm not really aware that I'm doing. So I notice these things. I notice where I'm at, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And then I try to give it the name that it is. I try to notice, wow, this chess match is just loaded with second arrows. It's absolutely chock full of these arrows shooting back at me that I'm creating. And I think it's important to notice that those are, those are things I'm creating. Those are things that I am making happen in my brain based on past experience, based on the uh, past issue and how that affected me and how it was not dealt with at the time or isn't being dealt with in a constructive and healing way. So is it possible to never have second arrows? I don't think so. I'd like to think we could make a place in our brain that's so healed, so aware that we are only living in the now. And while I think that's possible, I'm not sure that's incredibly healthy. Although I could be totally wrong. It could be quite healthy especially if we were, we were all doing it. If we were all experiencing life in the moment and not dealing with second arrows or creating anxieties about the future based on the past, I really think this place would be a whole lot better for everybody. But that's not the case. And the only thing you and I can do is work on us on an individual level and begin to understand our second arrows begin to understand how we walk with them and talk with them and deal with them and 
and then start to put them back in the quiver where they belong. And when they do come up again, to notice them, understand that they served us in some way. There's a great deal of healing, I believe, in understanding that the way we think is incredibly educational and peacefully peacefully points us in a direction we need to go. That honoring of where we are and how we got here can take some of the shame out of how we feel about um, what we've done and how we've carried that with us. A shame is just another form of thinking. When we think we're bad and we're awful people, often the people around us don't understand that. I mean, if you're a murderer, well, you know, the consensus might be you're an awful person until we work out the details of why you did what you did, why that person is a murderer, why we do what we do, because I've pretty much come to the place where everybody is doing the thing they're doing because that's all they can do right this moment. You know, I've said this before, we're all doing the best we can or we would do better. Understanding that is really important for my second arrow, so I'm not running over the same terrain of blame, anger, frustration over someone else's behavior. For instance, the person I'm divorcing, I can go over that ground over and over and over again. And when I can back out of it and see it from 10,000 feet and notice that she is coming from her wounds and her angers based on the past, I, I am in her past. I am not in her life right now in any real substantial way other than trying to work through this divorce and I'm sure she would tell you whatever story she would tell you and my story is going to be my story and that's where our suffering begins and ends is in those stories in those inabilities to understand have compassion and empathy to notice where we come from and how we got there and how we are at some level all suffering through these things. So getting through second arrows is uh, a process for me. It's a process that I take very seriously and I work on multiple times a day because I'm always noticing. Well, let me back up. I'm not always noticing. If I was always noticing, I wouldn't even be caring about second arrows because I'd be so whatever enlightened or skilled at this this process but I'd spend a good part of my day noticing how my mind walks into second arrows and keeps shooting them at myself and it's an attempt by my brain I believe to get me to stop and notice I don't think there's any other reason for second arrows other than to, to learn from them, honor them in some way. And I don't mean, you know, write them on a paper and burn them in a bowl in the backyard. I don't mean having some ritual, although I believe some people believe they need that. I don't believe that's necessary, but I do believe that there's some sort of honoring that needs to be done, even if it's just thanking that second arrow for helping you notice 
that this is a thing you're working with and thanking it for being the doorbell or the phone ringing or whatever it is that you can associate that with in a way that helps you notice it. So I mentioned doorbells and 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 phones. Thich Nhat Hanh, Buddhist teacher, he uses the bell a lot, the bell of mindfulness, to help the people he is teaching to um, notice what's going on in their body. So when you hear a bell, you stop and you take a deep breath and you pay attention to what's happening in your body, in your world, to yourself. You notice how am I showing up? What am I feeling and doing right now? Just for a moment. It doesn't have to be a long thing. So using the bell helps to remind me of how I'm feeling in the moment. Helps helps me pause and reflect into where I'm at right then. I might be deep into work, my day job. I might be I might be washing my car. I might be out here walking, but a bell that I might hear in the distance, uh, a little bit like Pavlov's dogs, a bell will help me take a pause in a moment to notice where I'm at, what I'm doing, how I'm meeting the world, how I'm addressing, how I meet my inner landscape, as it were. Second arrows are, are sad to me. I feel sadness when I think about the depth at which people will suffer in second arrows, the depth at which I suffer under second arrows. Um, not necessarily out of choice, but out of um, ignorance and not ignorance in a bad way, but just not knowing, not understanding that that's what they're doing to themselves. And when I'm doing it to myself, and I notice that I'm doing it to myself, I pause and take a moment to understand that I'm always doing the best I can do, no matter how la- no matter how lame it might seem to the outside world. Um, just trying to do the best that I can, fulfill my place here in a in a good way, in the best way I can in, in the moments I'm here. So second arrows aren't aren't a bad thing, and in some ways they're a good thing because they help us notice where we're going and what we're doing and how we're standing in one spot in our minds and spinning around in a big circle. The monkey's up in the tree banging the pans. Slow us down. They hold us back. They keep us from doing the good work that maybe we could be doing because we're so busy listening to the second arrows feeling second arrows i think they i i know they start in our brains but we store memories in our bodies and sometimes those memories and those energies are not attached to a a specific thought that's easy to get to this is not a recipe by any stretch of the imagination can't just follow one recipe you can't follow mine you have to find your own way 
and your own path to healing your your stuff, your your past, your traumas, your fears, to be the best you can be in the day. The best I can be today is sharing my thoughts on second arrows, my ideas about what they are, how they run around in our heads, and what we can maybe do to help them be less dramatic and less steering of our day, steering our world. So that's all I have today. It did not rain. It looks like it's not gonna. Clouds have lifted up higher. The sun is coming up. And my day is filled with whatever it brings me. Second arrows or peacefulness, a mixture of all of it. I just wanted to add a little piece about um, the voices in our heads as far as second arrows go, not just about, you know, trauma or an, an issue that you haven't gotten over, but just second arrows as far as how we talk to ourselves, um, being self-critical or judging of ourselves. I think that that's a incredibly strong second arrow that we learn uh, early on to survive in our childhoods because we're so focused on our family. Our DNA wants us to be focused on our family and making sure we get food and shelter that we adopt ways that can be self-inflicted wounds, which are second arrows. I'm trying to be something for somebody else or um, people-pleasing, whatever that might be. I think it's important to notice how we talk to ourselves and the words we use to ourselves. And, you know, the old saying, I would never allow someone else to speak to me that way, but I'll say it to myself. I'll be critical. I might even be shaming to myself. And you might be as well. And I think that's a huge second arrow that we need to notice and and take in as part of us. I'm not sure that there's anybody out there that doesn't do self-critical talk, shaming talk, guilting of ourselves, those kinds of things. The voices we use in our heads to control feelings that we don't want to feel. Um, maybe I don't want to feel the damage I felt as a child, whatever that was, whether it was being shamed or hurt by someone. And so I treat myself in a way that keeps me distant from that. It's a long, convoluted process, but if we can notice that we're speaking poorly of ourselves in our heads, notice how we do that. Um, I think there's a path for healing there as well. Some people look in the mirror and notice that the person in the mirror is part of them looking back at them. And maybe there's a time to talk to yourself in the mirror. Notice how you speak to yourself. Are you giving yourself a hard time about how you look? Uh, your weight, your thinness, your fatness, your chubbiness, your wrinkles, your pimples, 
your big nose, your little nose, your one ear that you decided is bigger than the other ear. Those are just the physical things. There's also the judgmental things we say to ourselves and inflict wounds upon ourselves about how we think we behave, how we think we show up in the world, how we lie to ourselves or disguise ourselves so no one can see our pain, however that might show up. And we do these things without even considering what we're doing. And I think that that can be pretty insidious and it's certainly repetitive until we notice it. So I just wanted to touch on that. It's another part of Second Arrows that we do to ourselves. So another second arrow that we do to ourselves is when we don't have boundaries and we allow ourselves to be in the presence of things that are not good for us out of the inability to notice them and stop them. So maybe we have someone in our life who yells at us or screams at us or treats us in ways that we would not really like, we don't like, but we don't stop them and we don't uh, remove ourselves from that situation, whatever that might be. And so we continue to put ourselves through second arrows over and over and over with these people and these situations. So maybe it's a workplace environment that's not good for you or uh, a friend who's not really a friend but you cling to them because you're a people pleaser and you don't know how to get away from them. You haven't learned that skill yet. I think that it's important to notice how we do these second arrows with other people, how we allow that to happen, how we allow people to treat us certain ways, and then we end up suffering for it and going on and on about that in our heads with second, third, 1,000 arrows just keep going over and over it instead of standing up and noticing how we do those things to ourselves and then coming up with solutions. The only person you live your whole life with is you. And it's a really important thing to remember that in the end, I like to say this to myself and to other people, I'm the one who goes to bed with myself at night. Even if I was with my ex-wife and we were in the same bed, I'm the only one sleeping with me. I'm the only one that lives with my behaviors 24-7, even in my dreams. It's entirely up to me how this life goes. If I don't like a situation and I continue to stay in it, is that the other person's fault? Is it their problem? Is it theirs to fix? Well, they're just being them. And I need to be me, and if me being me is putting up with their crap, well, then that's how that looks. But i got to say that's not how I'm learning to live my life and have learned to live my life in the past several years. That's why I'm getting divorced. I won't 
put myself in the situation of being in that person's presence anymore on any kind of regular basis. And that has its consequences. It's not pleasant in a lot of ways for, I think, for both of us. I can only speak for myself, but it's not pleasant for me. I've had to let go of a lot of things, but the things I've let go of have opened up a space to feel better about myself, feel more like I am me and not being someone else for someone else. So I just want to leave with that. There's a lot of ways we do second arrows. <laughs> Most of them not in good ways. And the second arrows can be quite harmful. There's the second arrows we do in our mind. There's the ones we allow others to inflict on us. And there's the ones that we do with our self-talk. And is it possible to remember the reason we have these lessons in our lives is to learn them. The reason the universe keeps bringing the same person into our life wearing different clothes and a different face is so, to learn the lessons, to learn something that will help us be better people or better, stronger, more positive in the world. All of these things come to us, I think, for a reason. Lots of times the reason feels painful, but on the other side of those painful changes often is a joy or certainly the empty space that comes after is different. Might not always be joyful, might not ever be joyful, but at least there's a space there for something else besides the self-inflicted second arrows. So I'm going to leave you with that. Thanks for coming, and we'll catch up with you again later. Hey, thanks for listening today. Hope you come back. Please uh, select the follow or subscribe button on your way out. And if you have a question or comment you'd like me to know about or answer in a future podcast, send that to bbotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for dropping in, and we'll see you again soon. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others.